0: Instead of talking about training from like a really scientific and theoretical perspective, just share with you what I do for my workouts and explain why I do what I do. You can modify your workouts in a way so they're more specific towards hypertrophy. Rep ranges don't matter a ton for growth. As long as you're pushing your failure, that's really what matters. Intensity matters more than the specific rep range you train in for muscle hypertrophy. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Joey, nutrition science PhD and founder of Fit for Life Academy. Today's episode is a little bit different than the ones I typically do because it's not going to be super in-depth and science-y, but instead, I'm going to walk you guys through my workout routine. And one of you guys, well, actually, one of my clients, so Carmen, if you're listening to this, shout out. (laughs) Shout out to Carmen. Thank you so much for the idea for the episode. She um, suggested that I just talk about my workout routine And instead of talking about training from like a really scientific and theoretical perspective, just share with you what I do for my workouts and explain why I do what I do. And I thought that was a fantastic idea because it'll help you guys understand how I think about uh, the structure of my workouts, the purpose behind the selection of different exercises and how all of that comes together. Because I know sometimes when we listen to stuff that's like overly theoretical, for example, if you've been listening to some of the uh, recent episodes that I've been publishing on training specifically, some have been on variables that are important for hypertrophy training with Mike Isratel, or the importance of long length training for hypertrophy specifically with Dr. Milo Wolf, uh, I think those episodes are fantastic and they're extremely educational. But sometimes I feel like they can leave you with more questions than answers. And you might finish the episode thinking like, how do I actually use all this information? How do I apply it into my own training in a way that makes sense? And so I think this episode will help bridge that gap, okay? So first and foremost, my current emphasis for training is hypertrophy specifically, okay? and hypertrophy and strength hypertrophy being muscle growth go hand in hand but there are things that you can do to optimize how effective your workouts are for one or the other right so you can modify your workouts so they're a bit more focused on strength development and you can modify your workouts in a way so they're a bit more specific towards hypertrophy and so my training program at the moment is more specific towards hypertrophy okay so at the moment I'm training four days per week. I used to train honestly. I used to train six days per week, and then I went down to five, and now four. And it's really just a time constraint for me because I run my business. Um, I'm doing some other work on the side with some consulting work. I have a family. I want to spend time with them. And so, at the moment, four days per week of training is what I'm willing to what I'm willing to do honestly, rather than doing more. But in theory, doing more is going to be better right if you could train five or six days theoretically it should be better than four days but at the moment as i mentioned i'm training four days and the way that i'm splitting up those four days is two upper body days and two lower body days so if we look at the and you might be asking like why do you set it up like that and not in another way like why don't you have a chest day and a back day and a leg day and a shoulder and arm day and the reason why i don't do that is because The scientific literature is pretty clear that training a muscle twice per week is better than once per week. So rather than doing a body part split where I just train one muscle group um, on each day, yes, you focus more on that muscle on that one day, but you're only training that muscle once a week. So it's theoretically inferior to a training split that allows you to train each muscle at least twice a week. So that's why I do two upper body days, two lower body days. If you're training four days per week i think that is the best split and if you're training less let's say three days per week then i think it's probably best to do three full body days or maybe one full body one upper body one lower body day so at the moment i do two upper body days and two lower body days and i intersperse them throughout the week as evenly as possible so typically monday tuesday is upper body lower body i rest wednesday And then Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday, however, I want to split it up throughout the rest of the week, I do the other lower body and the other upper body day. I don't ever do two lower body back to back or two upper body back to back for obvious reasons. I want my body or the muscles to be able to rest before the next workout. So it makes sense to do upper, lower, upper, lower, or lower, upper, lower, upper, right? So that's how I spread out my training throughout the week. Now, what do I actually do? on each of those workouts let's talk about lower body first okay so in general at the moment i'm using more machines than i am free weights so i actually haven't done a barbell back squat in a couple of months and you might be thinking why not dr joey isn't the barbell back squat the best exercise for legs the barbell back squat is a fantastic exercise for overall leg development but i'm not using it for a couple of reasons one The barbell back squat has never felt very natural to me. It's always been a struggle in terms of like having good technique and really focusing on the movement. And I think for a number of reasons, I personally have always struggled to progress in terms of strength on the back squat compared to other exercises. So rather than back squatting, my main leg movements right now are the hack squat. um, So machine hack squat and Smith machine squat. And the reason why I'm choosing those is because, again, in theory, machines are slightly better than free weights for muscle growth because they're more stable, right? So when you do a back squat, it's not that the back squat is bad. And it's, I'm not saying that the back squat can't lead to muscle growth. Obviously, it's a great movement. There are people who have massive legs and squats are pretty much all they do. But at least for me, I've never really felt squats back squats effectively target my quads the way that a hack squat or a smith machine does and one of the reasons why again it's because machines are more stable they tend to be on a fixed plane so when you're fatiguing you don't have to worry about things like your balance and coordination um they still require a ton of focus But in general, the movement pattern is going to be pretty simple, right? Machines are pretty simple to execute. They don't require as much skill. So you can take them, uh, you can take a set more near failure on a machine than you can on something like a barbell back squat. Or I should say this, when you, when you, you can take your muscles closer to actual failure using machines than you can on free weights most times, especially if the free weight movement feels somewhat awkward to you. Okay, because things like balance, coordination, etc. are going to be the limiting factors. So when I finish a set of hack squats or I finish a set of, of Smith machine squats, my legs are on fire, my quads are pumped, I feel my quads almost cramping up, I can tell I really really fatigued my quads. I never ever ever get that feeling when I do a back squat. It feels really hard, I push really hard, I push near failure, but my quads simply don't get the same stimulus that they do when I use machines. And since my goal right now is just to get bigger and more muscular, I'm choosing the machines as my primary squatting exercise for that reason. So, what does this mean for you? Like, do you have to use a machine instead of a back squat? No, not necessarily. If you're someone who does back squats and you get a really good stimulus in your legs, and don't get me wrong, if you do a squat correctly, it's gonna be effective for growing your legs. But that being said, if you get a better mind muscle connection, better contraction when you do something like a Smith machine squat or a hack squat, I would argue that those are probably better alternatives for the growth of your quads and glutes okay so on my first leg day i start with the hack squat i do three sets i do one heavy set in like the five to eight rep range um, because i enjoy going heavy honestly and rep ranges don't matter a ton for growth they really don't as long as you're pushing your failure that's really what matters intensity matters more than the specific rep range you train in for muscle muscle hypertrophy so for my first set, I do one heavy set of five to eight reps. And then I do two lighter sets in like the eight to 12 rep range just to get some more volume. And then after the hack squat on my first leg day, I do the Smith machine squats. But when I do the Smith machine squat on that first leg day, I do them specifically in the lengthened position. So I do half reps in the bottom position. So I go all the way down, as to grass, and I only come halfway up. And I'll do anywhere between like, I don't know, eight, eight to 15 reps there. And the reason why I do that bottom portion rather than the full range is because there's good evidence that that bottom portion of the movement where the muscle is stretched is optimal for muscle growth. And at least anecdotally, I feel like it produces less overall fatigue. Like I'm not as gassed because I have to go a little bit lighter since I'm only doing half reps. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about lengthened partials, it's the technique that I'm using. Listen to the episode on the podcast where I interviewed Dr. Milo Wolf talking about lengthened partials specifically. Okay, so I start the hack squat, one heavy set, two slightly lighter sets for higher reps, three total sets, and then I go onto the Smith Smith machine squat. My quads are pretty fried, so I only do two sets there. So five total sets for the quads so far on that workout. If I'm feeling good, I might do an extra set of Smith machines for six sets. Or I might do an extra one or two sets of leg extensions to finish off the quads. But I, I do that pretty like, uh, I, I use auto-regulation, right? Like if I'm really feeling in that day, I'll do a little bit more. If I'm feeling kind of tired and beat up on that day, I'll just do a little bit less, so it's pretty auto-regulated. So after the, the, those first two exercises, which are, which are my quad focused exercises, then I go on to hamstrings. I will typically start with four sets of hamstring curls, lying hamstring curls, because my gym doesn't have a seated hamstring curl. I would prefer the seated because your hamstrings are in a more stretched position in the seated hamstring curl. But the lying hamstring curl is also great. And I do a similar structure there where I do two heavier sets, probably in that eight to 12 rep range. And then I drop to two lighter sets for like 10 to 15-ish reps, okay? And then again, Four total sets there, all of those pretty much to failure. I take isolation movements practically to failure because I think there's no harm in doing so. They don't really produce a ton of fatigue. They're not the most difficult movements to do either. And so hamstring curl exercises train the hamstrings by flexing at the knee, right? Because when you bend your knee, you're using your hamstring to bend the knee. Um, But you can also train the hamstring by extending the hip. So things like RDLs, Romanian deadlifts, good mornings, those train the the hamstrings as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But more from the hip extension perspective rather than the knee flexion perspective. So as my secondary movement for hamstrings, I'll typically do about two or three sets of RDLs with dumbbells. And the reason why I use dumbbells instead of a barbell on my first uh, lower body day is because my lower body is pretty fried already and you can obviously handle heavier weight on a barbell than you can dumbbells so just to limit fatigue i'll use dumbbells on that first lower body movement uh, on that first lower body workout for my hamstrings for the rdl my second lower body day i start with the barbell rdl so to finish off that first lower body day i just do some some uh, calf work i'll usually do four to six sets of standing calves so that's lower body day one As you can tell, lower body day one starts with quad focus movements, and then I move on to hamstring work. So on my second lower body day, I do the opposite. I start with my hamstring focused exercises, and then I go on to my quad focused work secondarily. So on my second lower body day, I start with the barbell RDL, and I'll do two heavy hard sets there in like the six to eight rep range. And I choose that rep range because I just enjoy training heavy. Like if you prefer going 8 to 12 reps, that's fine. If you prefer going 12 to 15 reps, again from a hypertrophy perspective, that is fine. I tend to enjoy going uh d- doing lower rep ranges with heavier weights on big compound movements cuz it's it's just what I like, honestly. So for the barbell RDL, I'll start with two heavy sets in that 6 to 8 rep range. And keep in mind, every couple of months or so, I'll probably switch up the rep range for some of those movements, so Maybe two or three months from now, I'll be doing barbell RDLs in the 8 to 12 rep range instead of 6 to 8. But at the moment, it's in that 6 to 8 rep range. And then after those two heavy sets of barbell RDLs, I will do three or four sets of hamstring curls again. But they'll be substantially lighter than they are on day one, since they are the second exercise and my hamstrings are already pre-fatigued. And I'll usually go for a higher rep range, 12 to 15 or so, on the lying hamstring curl, since I did a heavier rep range on the barbell RDL again, not that it, not that it matters a ton but I think for isolation movements, it makes sense to do higher rep ranges because It just feels more natural. I will say that like it would feel really awkward to do a really heavy set of five on a hamstring curl Because it just puts a ton of stress on the joints. It feels kind of awkward because it's a single joint exercise versus a multi joint exercise. So for isolation movements, I usually always go in the higher rep range, at least 10 reps or above. Um, So I start with the barbell RDL, two sets, then I'll do three or four sets of hamstring curl. And then I move on to my quad work. And on this day, I start off with the Smith machine squats and I'll do two heavy sets, two or three heavy sets, honestly. The first one will be in that six to eight rep range. And then I'll drop the weight slightly, let's say 10, 15%. And I'll just take the, the the second and third sets of failure. Those are probably around seven, eight, maybe up to 10 reps, depending on how fatigued I feel on that day. And so we've done the barbell RDL, the lying hamstring curl, and then the Smith machine squat. And on the Smith machine squat on the second day, I don't do partials. I do the full range of motion, just for some variety between day one and day two. Um, So, so far I've trained my hamstrings and I've done my first exercise for my quads on the second lower body day. And now here I auto-regulate this as well, because sometimes after doing the two or three sets of the hack squat, I'm completely fried. And so when I'm fried, I will do leg extensions as my second quad movement. And if I feel fresh, honestly, I might do hack squats or I might do leg press as my second lower body movement as my second quad focus movement on my second lower body day but again it just depends on how i'm feeling if i'm energized that day if i'm feeling good then i'll just do you know some hack squats or leg press and if i'm feeling fried i will do the leg extension because it obviously requires a lot less energy than something like a hack squat does so it just depends on how i'm feeling but i try to get five to six sets per muscle per workout so as you can see on each of those workouts i've done Five or six sets for the hamstrings, five or six sets total for the quads. And then again, on the second lower body day, I'll finish up with some calf work, another four to six sets on the standing calf, um, standing calf machine. I haven't been doing much seated calves because quite honestly, they're just not as effective for targeting the calves. The standing calf raise, your calves are fully extended since your knee is fairly locked out. On the seated calf raise, you just don't get the same sort of stretch on the calf musculature because the knee is bent at 90 degrees. So that covers my lower body movements. And so from week to week, I try to progress at least one rep or five pounds here or there on different exercises. Uh, I never ever progress on every single exercise every week, but if I progress on at least one set, on one exercise every week. I'm pretty happy. Hey guys, some of you may not know that I'm the scientific advisor for a supplement company called Outwork Nutrition. I help with the formulation of new products to help ensure that they're effective and backed by science. Unlike many other supplement companies out there, we don't rely on exaggerated claims or flashy marketing tactics. Instead, we let the science speak for itself. We take pride in formulating products that deliver real results, helping you achieve your fitness goals in a meaningful way. If you're in the market for supplements like protein powder, pre-workout, or recovery products, make sure to check us out at OutworkNutrition.com. And as a thank you for being an avid listener of this podcast, use code Joey for an exclusive discount at checkout. You can find the link to our website down in the description of this podcast episode. Remember, our goal is to empower you with science-backed supplements that truly make a difference choose outwork nutrition and elevate your fitness to new heights now on to upper body so that's my entire lower body workout for the week separated into two different workouts one starts with quads followed up by hamstrings the other starts with hamstrings followed up by quads on upper body i do something somewhat similar where i always do chest back shoulders and arms in one day but i always start with my chest movements first before my back movements and the reason i do that is because my chest is a lagging body part for me like my back is way bigger and way stronger and just looks out of proportion compared to the size of my chest so i don't do as much work and i don't prioritize my back as much for those reasons so one and by the way For my upper body days for chest movements, I'm not doing the barbell bench press, mainly for the reason that the barbell bench press aggravates my left shoulder. So I just do dumbbells because dumbbells feel good. So on my first upper body day, um, I start with an incline dumbbell chest press, and then I do a machine flat chest press, and then I do dips. So I train the chest in three different angles on that specific day, and the dips and the incline dumbbell chest press train the front delt pretty effectively as well for the dumbbell chest press honestly i go in a fairly similar rep range for all of these somewhere between 8 to 12 ish reps for all three of those movements honestly because i just enjoy training in that rep range so i do the incline dumbbell chest press 8 to 12 reps um nice full range of motion on those then i do two sets on the machine chest press i like using the machine secondarily because Again, it's in a fixed plane. It's easy to just push the intensity. I'll do two sets of 8 to 12 there as well. And then I'll do dips. And I'll usually just do two sets to failure on dips. And I do those in the length and partial position. So mainly just the bottom half of the movement where the chest and shoulders are really well stretched. Um, and I would go beyond 12 reps, but with my strength at the moment, 12 reps is about where I get to when I reach failure. So I do six sets there for my chest. I then do my back work after that. So on that day specifically, I will do three sets of wide grip weighted pull-ups in the six to eight rep range. Um, That's just, again, I like like taking some of these movements pretty heavy, especially big compound movements. I think it looks cool. I enjoy it. So I do three heavy sets of weighted pull-ups there, wide grip pull-ups in the six to eight rep range. And then I'll follow that up with two sets of cable rows on the row machine for anywhere between 12 and 15 reps and i just do five sets for my back again because where i'm at at the moment my back is just not a priority so i do it secondarily to my chest and i don't do as much volume so i've done six sets for my chest i've done five sets for my back i've done three exercises for my chest two for my back and that covers some of the big compound moves that i'm going to be doing and then i move on to shoulder and shoulders and arms and again my front delts already got a pretty good stimulus from the pressing movements. My rear delts got a decent stimulus from the wide grip pull-ups. So the last thing, the only thing I do for my shoulders after that is just lateral raises to really work on that lateral head of the shoulder. Um, So I'll do two or three sets of lateral raises. Those are usually in a higher rep range, at least 12 reps again, because it's an isolation movement and it just feels more natural to go uh, in a higher rep range. And those on the lateral uh, raises, if I use dumbbells, which I do on that first upper body day, sometimes I'll use heavier dumbbells, like 35 or 40 pounds, where I can't do a full range of motion, but I do a lengthened partial at the bottom portion of the lateral raise. So my arms will only come up about 45 degrees, but it feels really good and my lateral shoulders get a really good pump so I know that they're doing the majority of the work. Again, it's not something I do all the time. I autoregulate a lot of my training at this point, If I feel like doing a full range of motion with a lighter weight, like usually if I don't have a ton of energy, I'll pick a lighter weight and I'll do a full range of motion because it feels easier. If I'm really feeling good and I want to lift heavy, I'll grab heavier dumbbells, the 35s, the 40s, and do lengthened partials in just that bottom 45 degrees on the dumbbell lateral raise. And then I will usually do one or two sets of dumbbell bicep curls, and then one or two sets of dumbbell skull crushers for the triceps. And that's pretty much it for my first upper body day. And my second upper body day is fairly similar, but slightly different. I will start with a flat dumbbell chest press since since the first day I started with an incline dumbbell chest press. So I'll start with a flat dumbbell chest press. I'll do three sets of the flat dumbbell chest press simply because I'm like first day I'm doing six pressing sets for my chest. On the second day, I'm not doing as many pressing movements for the chest. So I just add a set to that flat dumbbell chest press. That's my reasoning for it. And I'll usually do that in the eight to 10 rep range. Um, So after the flat dumbbell chest press, I'll move on to a barbell overhead press, mainly because I just really enjoy this movement, and it's the one overhead pressing movement that I do for my shoulders. Um, And I'll just do two sets there, two sets, 10 to 12 reps. Um, I usually rest three to five minutes between all my sets, and that covers my two big pressing movements for that day, which are the dumbbell chest press flat and the barbell overhead press standing. And then to finish off the chest, I'll do two sets of cable chest flies those are usually higher reps at least 12 to 15 reps on those and so that covers my pressing and chest work for the day Um, so on that day it's just five direct sets for the chest because it's the three sets of the flat pressing and the two sets of the chest flies but the way that I do the barbell overhead press I bring the bar all the way down to my chest so there is a decent amount of upper uh, upper chest involvement In the barbell overhead press, if you do it with a full range of motion and bring the bar down all the way down to your chest. So I guess I I do get a little bit of chest activation there as well. And then after doing that, I move on to my back work for that day. And instead of starting with a wide grip pull-up, I start with a neutral grip pull-up. Just to target the back from a slightly different angle. I always like starting with pull-ups because they're my favorite back movement. You don't have to start with pull-ups. You could start with rows if you enjoy those. But I always start with pull-ups because I like them. So again, I'll do neutral grip pull-ups and I'll do three sets usually in like the six to eight rep range again. Again, I just really like that rep range. It's probably better to get some variation there, but I just enjoy being in that rep range for most of my heavy pulling movements. Um, So I'll do weighted neutral grip chin-ups, three sets, three to five minute rests for six to eight reps. And then my second um, back movement is, as of lately, a single arm cable row. And I've been doing single arm because I really like the ability to rotate and get rotate at the torso and get a really deep stretch on every rep. And again, I'll do 12 to 15 reps there. So just five sets total for my back, and I guess five sets total for my chest, and two sets of overhead pressing on that second lower body, uh, second upper body day. After I finish my back work, again, it's a little bit of shoulders and arms. I'll do lateral raises again, but instead of using dumbbells on this day, I'll use cables. So I'll put the cable either behind my back or between my legs and do two sets of 12 to 15 reps there. And the reason why I choose the cable on the second day, one for variation and two, the cable really puts tension on the lateral delt in the stretched position, especially if you put the cable in the right position. But if you think about it, when you're just holding dumbbells and they're all the way at the bottom, you're kind of resting. There's not a ton of tension on your lateral delt when you use a cable there is more tension because you're not working against just gravity but the cable's also pulling you in a direction where there's tension on the lateral shoulder which is why i like using that cable on the second upper body movement uh, on the second upper body day for the lateral delt and then again i'll just finish off with one or two sets of dumbbell bicep curls and then for triceps on this day i'll do a cable tricep pull down instead of a dumbbell skull crusher Again, just for variation. And I'll do both of those in like the 10 to about 15 rep range, depending on what sort of weight I want to use on that day. And that pretty much covers the entirety of my workout routine. Um, Again, super simple, super basic, two upper body days, two lower body days. I hope that the explanation as to why I choose different exercises on specific days makes sense and gives you some insight into how you should be thinking about your training, right? Like what are your priorities? What muscles do you want to target more? How many days do you have to train? Should you choose machines over some free weights for some movements? Should you do your chest before your back? If you're doing them on the same day or vice versa, depending on which one's more important, how do you choose a variety of exercises to target the same muscle and why is that important? Just some of these variables that I talk about frequently on the podcast. But I hope that this episode gives you some insight into how to actually implement them. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on social media and I'd be happy to answer or just email me. By the way, my email is drjoey at fitforlifeacademy.health. So hopefully I don't get bombarded with too many emails after this episode. All jokes aside, guys, if you have listened this far, I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you're a regular listener of the show, I would highly, highly encourage you. um, Actually, I would ask you to please uh, take a second to rate the podcast and leave a review. It helps me a ton. Really, it does help me a ton. That's the main way that podcasts get discovered. If they have high ratings and they have good reviews, then apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify will push the podcast out to more people. And if you are watching on YouTube, if you could just leave a like and leave a comment for the algorithm, it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you guys for listening and I'll catch you on next week's episode. Bye.